So we talked about um, the idea of brokenness a little bit in our world last week, right? And what is the, what is the fundamental cause of brokenness? And we, we came to the decision that, that sin is really the fundamental cause. And the result of sin is broken relationships. And then we went through the scriptures and we paid a visit to Genesis, right? And we talked about the fall a little bit and how <clears throat> the fall resulted in relationships that are fractured across all possible touch points. So between man and his environment, between man and God, between man and his fellow man, and internally within man himself, right? So there's literally no area of our lives that hasn't been fractured and fallen as far as relationships are concerned. So what we then determined is, well, what's called for? What's necessary in order to mend relationships, and we went to 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 6, 2 for the ministry of reconciliation, right? And when we think of the ministry of reconciliation, this is just simply what the Lord has done for us already in Christ, right? I mean, Christ came on a, on a rescue mission, right? To reconcile God to man, to mend that broken relationship. So we discussed and we looked carefully at the ministry of reconciliation, And we just discussed a little bit what it meant in relation to our standing and our calling and our responsibilities as Christ followers. And then we discussed, we did some um, deeper exegesis on verses 18 through 21. And we, we determined that reconciliation really only comes through God's initiative, right? It is God who is reconciling the world to himself through Christ. And that Christ alone is the means of reconciliation, fundamentally, okay, between man and God. And then we said that God continues to act through those who've been reconciled, okay? So as Christ ones, we mirror what God has done for us in Christ to the broader world, right? So we become active ministers of reconciliation, so then we discuss what does that even mean, the ministry of reconciliation. And we said that the Greek construction makes this kind of a little complex. What is Paul actually getting at? And there are a variety of different ways that we could interpret the ministry of reconciliation. But we kind of landed on this last one. While all of them have truth in them, reconciliation is the content of the ministry. And we said that it involves more than just simply explaining what God has done for us in Christ. It means becoming an active reconciler oneself, right? And to do this reconciliation where Christ did this reconciliation, right? Amongst the poor, amongst the broken, amongst the the homeless, and so forth, right? Christ brought the good news of the kingdom to the entire world, but he went in a lot of respects to the, to the quote-unquote poor, yes? And so a minister of reconciliation plunges into the midst of human tumult to bring harmony out of chaos, reconciliation out of estrangement, and love in the place of hate. So this is a deliberate process, yes? And then we said that we are Christ's ambassadors, and we dug a little bit into what does it mean to be an ambassador, right? And we determined that what it means to be an ambassador is, is that you have citizenship 
in one country and you are a foreigner representing the um, desires and the commands of the king of the foreign uh, of the country that you belong to okay I butchered that right means that <laughs> you are a stranger in a strange land right with with um, with citizenship elsewhere, but representing the um, goals and the desires of the country of your nationality, of your birth, right? So what we then did is we went to the scriptures and then we said, well, where does our citizenship actually reside now that we're in Christ? And we went to Ephesians 2. And we said that we are already seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. We looked at the, the verb tenses, right? And we said past tense. We are seated there. It has been an accomplished fact once we have accepted Christ. Okay? So that is our reality right now. Right? And then we went to Colossians 1 and we reviewed the, the prayer that I had prayed last week. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and has brought us, past tense, into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins so spiritually our our citizenship resides elsewhere now now and we are ambassadors to this earth as representatives of Christ representing our king and his goals his desires his authority in a land that's not our own, which is this world, right? Does that make does that make sense? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so what we also said is that we don't act under our own authority, but under the commission of a greater power who sent us, right? Who's, who sent Paul? Who sent us? Okay. So we ultimately have responsibility back to Christ. We're under His marching orders. And his laws and his desires are different than the, than the country that we now live in, this world. Right? So we're called to represent him here on earth okay, as his stand-ins. His stand-ins. Okay? And we said that in the ancient world ambassadors were people who were people of, for the most part, who, who were representatives of peace, who desired to create harmony, okay? They weren't people who were necessarily trying to represent one country in the context of war. They were, uh, they were individuals who were sent to build strong, renewed, friendly relationships, okay? So, so we, when we look at the original context of the understanding of what it meant to be an ambassador, we understand that, yeah, that's really what we're doing here. We're trying to create peaceful relations, reconciling a broken world, broken people, back to God. And then we talked about the fact that the critical aspect of these verses is, is that we would be reconciled back to God. Okay? We have to understand that we are aliens, that there is brokenness here, that these relationships are fundamentally fractured, that we're responsible for that, okay? 
but that fundamentally reconciliation has to be Godward first. Okay, that there's really no true reconciliation one with another unless we're vertically aligned properly. Okay, and we also said that reconciliation requires that we view people in a different kind of way. No, right. And what this way looks like is trying to see the image of God in others, yes? And trying to draw people into a saving relationship with Christ. Okay. And then we talked about what was the term that we encounter throughout Scripture directly related to the concept of reconciliation. And we said that that term is righteousness. And righteousness, properly understood originally, at the time of the writing of the scriptures, would, would have been understood in kind of a Hebrew type of mindset. And, we, and I handed out this handout, and I know I kind of raced through it, and people were looking at me like, what in the world? This makes absolutely no sense to me. What am I trying to convey through this, through this handout? You have more of those I do, and, I, and I'll actually, I don't hear, but I'll send it out in an email. Okay. What we're trying to say is, is, that, is, is that at the time of the scripture writings, and even into today, the world kind of falls into two camps, two sets of worldviews, okay? A Hebrew mindset and a Greek mindset, Okay. We're not making any kind of categorical statements as to which is better. We're just showing that there are distinctions between the two worldviews, right? And what we are to understand righteousness to be is not something that's necessarily so individual and personal. Like, I did my righteous acts today by, you know, holding, walking somebody across the street or holding the door open or so. It involves more of interpersonal relationships. And that the fulfillment of those interpersonal relationships will necessarily work themselves out in right behavior. Does that make, does that make sense? The, the good works, the good deeds, whatever is done that is righteous is based off of a relationship that is already right, that's already rightly related. When we look at our own salvation, we see this worked out. We, we, there's an expression. Um, let me try to make sure that I say this right. There's an expression that I obey, therefore I'm accepted, right? But in reality, our salvation works like I'm accepted, therefore I obey. Do we see the distinction? One is works-based, right? I obey, therefore I'm accepted into the kingdom, right? It's all about me working my, out my own salvation, okay? Versus the way that we understand salvation to work. I'm accepted based on what Christ has done for me. That's the true right relatedness. And therefore, I obey. 
because of what Christ has done. Does that, does that make sense? So here's, so here's a little bit of the distinction of what we're, we're trying to show here in righteousness. Righteousness wor- looks like right-relatedness. Okay? And why does this right-relatedness matter so much? And why does Hebrew versus Greek mindset matter so much? It has very practical implications. In our culture, we have a Greek mindset, right? Highly individualistic, right? Kind of self-sufficient. Time is very linear and so forth. You see all the distinctions on the handout. The problem comes in when we start to think of our faith as individualized. I've got mine... Hope it works out for everybody else. This is how culture can shape our mindsets. Yes? What we realize is that we're blessed to be a blessing. That salvation is personal, yeah, but go and make disciples. Show the kingdom. So th- this, is, this is really important stuff when we start to d- determine what are the implications of being center-focused where the gospel is really communal. Does that make, make sense? So it brings us to something new. <laughs> We're caught up. Living in light of the present kingdom reality. What does it mean? What Help me with the kingdom. This is a hard concept. What is the kingdom of God? Jesus talks about it all the time, right? The time has reached its fulfillment. The kingdom of God is here, right? He says these things. What does he mean by this? What are the characteristics of the kingdom? Well, isn't, isn't Christ the main characteristic of the, the kingdom? Excellent. Himself? Yeah. He's, he is both king and kingdom. If, you look, if, we look at the, if we look at all of the Gospels, right, if there's one unifying message that runs through each of the Gospels, it is that... Christ is the bringer of the kingdom of God through his life, which would include his teachings and his miracles, his death, and his resurrection. Okay? Christ is the bringer of the kingdom. Okay? And we see some of this about how we are to respond, right? Even in the Lord's Prayer. What does the Lord, how does he teach us to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What? Thy kingdom. thy kingdom come. And then what? What does that look like? It looks like thy will being done where? On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. 
Okay. Let's clarify this a little bit. The idea of the kingdom is something that theologians refer to as the already and the not yet. It exists in two realms simultaneously. Okay. So let's think about this. We, th- we know that the kingdom has come in Jesus, past tense. Okay? And he, re- he references this quite a bit in the scriptures, right? He talks about, if I cast out you know, Satan, or if I cast out Beelzebub in the name of, the, of the name of God, right, then the kingdom has come upon you. Mm-hmm. So it has come. It is coming through the people of God to the people of God. Okay? So the kingdom is still advancing, right? More and more people are being brought into the kingdom. Past, present, it will come in its fulfillment at Christ's return. We believe physically. As a physical realm. Right, so you get into this idea: is it is it rain in in people's hearts, or is it an actual physical place? Well, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. It's both and. It looks very similar to the path of salvation, right? When we talk about justification, sanctification, glorification, three stages, right? We have been saved through justification from the penalty of sin. In sanctification, we are being saved from the power of sin. In glorification, we will be saved from the presence of sin. Okay? That's three stage. So the kingdom is now and its future. What are the implications of that? Is that the king, if the kingdom is now, then we are about being kingdom builders. So what we're to be is kingdom builders. And we note the linkage between healing and the kingdom of God. How Jesus healed and how that healing was a sign that the kingdom has come. Okay? The kingdom is now. Casting out demons, right? That, that the power of Christ and the kingdom that has come, evil has no place in it. Right. So Jesus does these sign works where he demonstrates his authority that the kingdom is breaking in to our reality. Okay? And that healing is a critical aspect of that. Not just physical healing, Forgiving sin, right? Forgiving sin. Okay. So Jesus not only preached the kingdom, but he showed the good news of the kingdom. Okay? He showed the good news of the kingdom. Uh, how, how would we show the good news of the kingdom? Practically, in our day, how would we show the good news of the kingdom? love and that love is expressed how that renew restoring relationships yes going where there's pain 
right? Going where people hurt, going where there's brokenness, yes? Being Christ with, with skin on, right? What we do is not just because we're nice people, right? What we do is we go in the power of the Holy Spirit, but we go with the intent that Christ's kingdom would be seen, would be known. And, and again, coming back to you know the, the, the Greek mindset, the Hebrew mindset. The Greek mindset says, stay still, remain in your place, <laughs> you have your salvation, work on yourself. The Hebrew mindset says, look at the world, look at the brokenness, look at all of these people who are going to perish and spend an eternity separated from their God because they don't know. That should absolutely tear our hearts out. It should. The question is, does it? You know? And I'm, I'm asking myself the question, you know? But, but this is what it looks like to be kingdom builders, is, is that we ascribe to this reality that anyone who dies apart from Christ is going to spend an eternity apart from the Lord. We say it, but does it motivate us to, to go? It's, it's a question we all, we all have to wrestle with, and I don't do it well. I know I don't do it well. But that's the standard. And it's also possible, it should be noted, that it's possible to seek the king without the kingdom and the kingdom without the king. What does that mean? It's possible to seek Jesus for Jesus, but not be about the work that he set out for us to do. Okay? Greek. Or it's possible to be to focus on the kingdom without the king a social gospel right where all of it's just about you know making things um healing healing fractures you know eliminating poverty fighting against human trafficking and we all know the good you know these philanthropic organizations that's good that that is good but without christ what are we doing just kind of working hard at it, right? It's that balance. So what is the role of the church? This, this, is, the, this is the role of the church. To declare in words and deeds. To declare in words and deeds. And to do that where Jesus did it. So here are five principles for our outreach. Okay. It is incredibly important that we go as learners okay, when we do this outreach. Because we are um, not as familiar with the realities of the people that we're going to be ministering to as they are. We don't know their lives as well as they do. Okay. 
um, it's important that we be anchored theologically, that we understand what we believe, but at the same time, going with a posture where we're going to allow the Lord to speak to us through people, okay? Maybe some people who disagree with us. Sometimes we need to be stirred a little bit. Sometimes we need to hear something that doesn't necessarily align with us, but then we have to work that through, and that brings us into deeper relationship with the Lord because we go back to him and we say, Lord, what do I do with this? I'm not really sure how to deal with this, right? And there are, there are going to be difficulties that we encounter on this trip, which are going to be good for us. It's going to be necessary for us to be, to be stretched a little bit, okay? So it's a posture of a learner. Tell me about you. Tell me about what your life is like, right? What would help look like? Be asking questions of one another and of the Lord. What, what should we be seeing? Right? How do we get past the way that we are um, so consistently looking at the troubles of our world to see something a little bit deeper? What, where, is the, where is the fracture? Where is the brokenness? What, what is the specific pain point that needs to be addressed? And how does reconciliation, how does healing transpire? What's the best way for that to happen? Okay. We're going to get into poverty here in just a few moments, so we'll, we'll dig into this in a little more detail. We should, I, and the word weakness obviously is kind of a little bit pejorative, but we should, I mean, it's, it's really the path of the verse actually says. Um, what, what is this verse, by the way? Does anybody know it off the top of their heads? I've probably got this memorized. Right, this is when Jesus talks to. I'm sorry? Yeah, right, right, exactly. Good, good, good. So we might, weakness slash dependence. <laughs> dependence might be the, might be the word, might be. Uh, <laughs> yes, sir. Just a question, is, is the uh, definition of weakness in this case, is this more towards weakness as opposed to weakness? Um, I think weakness just simply reflects um, a posture that is is non-self-sufficient. That, that's, it's de- it really is dependence, yes. It's a posture of dependence, right? And then we have humility, right? I made a typo here. There is no James 10, by the way. <laughs> it's James... 4, 6, comma, 10, and 1 Peter 5, 5 through 6, okay? But these are the famous passages on humility. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, right? And we're going to need a lot of grace on this outreach. going to need a lot of grace, okay? We're going to need to be able to give a lot of grace as well. 
And we really need to be going with the heart of a servant. Where is the need and how can I meet it? Will somebody please read for us Philippians 2, 5 through 8? I just love these verses. In fact, let's start at Philippians 2, 3. We'll go even earlier than that. Who has it? These are familiar verses. Go ahead, Chuck. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Mm-hmm. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Mm-hmm. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hmm. <coughs> it's, just, it's just so strong, what right? translation is that? Yeah, humbled himself to the point of death, right? Even death on a cross. Um, You know, as Christ followers, there is a call um, that it's a robust call. It's it's multi a multi-dimensional call. Part of the call is come and die. Come and die, and it's in the dying that you'll live. Right, we don't hear perhaps enough of that message. Um, we hear a lot of salvation and and you know growing in Christ and but 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 the other side is is walking in obedience into the hard stuff that can be really costly. And is really costly for millions of believers who are brothers and sisters of ours right now around the world. Hugely costly. Um, so we, we bear this in mind a little bit as we go out on this outreach. That, that y- yeah, th- there might be... Um, some difficulties, there might some, be some internal discomfort, there might be some heartbrokenness, there might be um, some words that are said that are unkind to us, there might be, there might, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? What did we sign up for, you know? What did we sign up for? What Jesus has done for us, right, requires that we be willing to go 
where he leads, right? We don't foolishly put ourselves in harm's way. That's not what I'm saying at all, right? What I am saying is, is that the calling is high. That, 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 that what Christ expects of his followers is bigger, perhaps, than what we want to settle for. And as we move toward him in faith and in weakness, he becomes bigger. He becomes bigger. Right? Chuck, we heard about this on right? Tuesday night. We become smaller in our own eyes as he becomes bigger. That's what we need. We need a big God. We need a really big God. And that pleases him. Yes? When we say, I've come to the end of my own resources, Lord. I can't go another step unless you take it for me. Okay. Great. Great. That's really good. That's where I need you to be. Because I'm going to come through for you. I'm going to come through for you. It's a consistent pattern throughout the entire Old Testament of the Lord showing his own glory and power, and he won't share it. He will not share it with any human. Look at Gideon, right? Gideon comes out with his army of 10,000, right? And the Lord says, you've got too many. Is this 10,000, 40,000? This is a lot of people, right? You have too many. And he whittles them down to 300, And then he says, I don't even want you to do anything. What I want you to do is you've got this torch and you've got this lamp thing or whatever, (laughs) this jar, and you break the jar and you hold up the torch and you scream and and I'm going to handle it. And he handles it, right? I mean, like that is about the wackiest battle plan you've ever heard in your life, right? I mean, who does this? March around the city of Jericho seven times and give a whoop and the walls will come down. What? <laughs> right? I mean, seriously. The Lord, the Lord pulls us through. The Lord pulls us through. Yeah, in, in, uh, modern uh, experience, there was the story of the uh, fellow who was driving down the road. The Lord said, I want you to stop, go into the 7-Eleven, do a handstand or headstand on top of the Coke machine. Remember that? Yeah, right. So Go ahead, Tom. This is the weirdest thing. See, I can't, this, that is so weird. But he, God's spirit was so strong in him. He went and he did. He went, there was nobody in the store. I think it was one or two dozens. Yeah. He stood on his head on the Coke machine. And the, um, as the story goes, the, the fellow who was in the store, something's going on in his life, he says, I'm not going to believe when somebody comes in here and stands on his head on the Coke machine. <laughs> Something you would not predict. And I don't know the aftermath of that story. Maybe you know, you know the aftermath. But God well, he did it. Prayer. I mean, yeah. He said, God, that's the man said. I'm not going to believe unless God does this crazy thing. And so God called one of his own people to do this crazy thing. And, yeah. and, and then he was obedient. So yeah. I mean, that, that's equivalent to uh, you know, that battle plan. Yeah, sure. We, sure. Who would think of that? Nobody it makes no human. We heard this in a, in a, in a meeting of prayer. Yeah. It was just an example of 
yeah. speaks to us. And uh, if we're obedient, listen to the Spirit of God. Outside of our thing, we say that's irrational mm. uh, that, God, that God works. Mm-hmm. That's very humble. Oh, yeah. But we, our mind always, our Western mind says, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> right. No, 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 <laughs> <laughs> that must be my own voice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so are there any questions about the Ministry of Reconciliation before um, we get? A question related to what yes. we're going to be doing. Yeah. Because um, I've been on a lot of, and I do a lot of Yes. And sometimes people perceive that people coming in as other tools to look at us. Yeah. And uh, I always, you know, whatever kind of outreach, there's a reason that we're doing something that they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a great that's a great question, and I appreciate your heart on that. That's that's wise, um, and and you know there there are a lot of I mean there is the thought process of what we're four days down in the city and what can we really do, and so 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 the answer is we can't do everything, right? We can only do a little, yeah. but but the Lord can work with a thimble full of a willing heart, right? So that's what we're giving. Um, there will be service opportunities, and I think at each one, I know at some of them, we'll be actually rolling up our sleeves and helping. So there will be that aspect. I think what you'll notice, though, and, and I don't know if this has been your experience or not, but in my experience, your presence means a lot, it means an awful lot. Just to sit down with somebody and say, tell me about your life. What are you going through right now? Can we pray together? Right? Do you, do you, do you, uh, do you know that that you that you have a God who created you who loves you? These types of very simple conversations sometimes mean so much more to people than than all of you know the the rolling up. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. And so, and, and there have been, let me say this as well. There have been ministries that I visited when I was at seminary that are downtown that said, we're done. We're not having any more suburban churches come into the city to my ministry where people can complain up one side and down the other that, that, you know, our bathroom is dirty or whatever. And then they leave and then I'm left cleaning up the mess of, you know, look at these Christians. Like, wait, what did they do? They came in here and now they, huh? Right? Yeah. It's a good word. We need to be hypersensitive to that, that our expectations aren't Oak Brook expectations. Okay. I am trying to say that in the most delicate way as possible. But you're hearing me. You know what I'm saying, right? These people who run these ministries have to be with these people every single day, you know? And it takes just a few minutes or one, you know, casual throwaway sentence that resonates with people and they say, wow, I'm not sure of your motivation now, you know? So, yeah. Personally, I think, that's the biggest fear that I have going into that mm-hmm. is that I'm supposed to be, in the true sense of the word, an ambassador. Yeah. But yet, in, in 
my intentions are good, but am I going to project something that I don't want to project that yeah. is negative? Yeah. 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 No, I, and I understand that. And I guess where I would, where I would land on that is be prayed up, you know, really be prayed up because what that prayer does is it reorients the heart a little bit. You know, it says to the Lord, look, I'm, I, you know, here are some of my concerns. Here are some of my fears. Um, they're legitimate, right? I mean, we don't want to do anything to throw you know, mud on the name of the Lord, um, or to somehow denigrate him in, in anybody else's eyes. Um, he's, he's capable of working with a heart that's submitted, right? Even if something worse, he's still, he's able to remove it, forget it, you know, that type of thing. I think that in that prayer, in, in that prayer time and, and lifting these concerns before the Lord, he's going to convince you that you have what is going to be needed in that environment. Yeah. And really, and I guess I, I can't stress this enough, it is not so important to always be talking. It's, it's really, really important to be listening. You know, it doesn't all rely on us. Somebody's salvation is not going to depend on whether or not we get the gospel message into every single person's ears, right? We're going to, to serve them. And how would you naturally serve anybody? You, you would kind of come in from a posture of underneath, right? And lift up and affirm. So I guess I would say that you, the fact that you're a little concerned about it is a really good thing, you know. Um, that, that shows a heart posture that, that wants to, to do this well, you know. Yes, ma'am. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, you know, I, I'm involved in several ministries that, you know, even this church won't embrace because sharing the gospel is not in the, you know, the mission statement or the, you know, our purpose is to, is to love them, is to provide the needs. And mm-hmm. if we tie that to sharing the gospel, then what if they feel like, well, what yeah. if I say no? Will, will they take away my housing? Will they take away my... Yeah. Uh, sure. And Dan even preached on this, you know, yeah. several weeks ago, and it really resonated with me that I, I don't want, I don't even want that to be my goal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would love to share the love of Christ and what it's meant in my life, but mm-hmm. if that means, I understand what you're saying. Person is thinking like, well, I don't, you know, I, I really want to get this meal, so. Yeah, no, no, I, I've, I, yeah, I'm feeling you. I mean, does anybody else have that, that concern? I'm sure that, I mean, I. Some people say yes, the gospel. Yeah. But you don't know if there's, you know, it might not be a heart. So. Yeah, right. But I would never even want to put them in that position that they would feel like they have to say yes. Yeah. Right. It, it, it's, it's, it's heavily actions and yet at the same time you know i mean paul says how will they know if someone doesn't tell them 
right? So <laughs> there is this balance. I mean, when I was going through seminary, um, there, and there's all kinds of ways to evangelize, right? I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be. I had to go and street preach. You don't think that was totally uncomfortable? I mean, that was like in the 21st century, here's somebody street preaching, right, on Devon Avenue. I mean, that's hardcore. It was embarrassing, like you wouldn't believe. But people listened. Some people wanted to pray, right? Um, so so let, let me allay the fe- fear to a certain extent. It's not our objective to go and to, to lay something on anybody. We're trying to come underneath or alongside and affirm, right, and lift people up. At the same time, I would encourage you not to be afraid to pray with people because people really, really are open to that, surprisingly open to that. I mean, I, and again, let me, let me say this, by the way. This, this whole gay bar thing, you don't have to go into the bars if you don't want to. Yeah, I wanted to okay. offer that because from last year, because I was going to suggest that Tony tell about his experience with this one gay guy in a bar. All of us were pretty afraid when we went um, into Boys Town. Yeah. I mean, maybe all of us, but Tony, because he had done it before. And I don't know if um, uh, anyone else had done it before. Hmm. But... Um, you know, and, and it's like, how are you going to, like, strike up a conversation with, you know, predominantly guys, well, there, there were some women, you know, and, um, and you know, and I, in, you know, I can go into a bar and talk to people, but it was like, how are you going to talk to them about Christ, you know? Yeah. And, and um, so, but, but we just, like, prayed going up and down the street. We did prayer walking. Mm-hmm. We did prayer walk, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah. and I would say most of us didn't get into conversations with them. You know, we were, um, we, you know, I, 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 I think now maybe I would would have reached out more, but I was with. Well, we, you know, I just didn't feel comfortable with it. Yeah. But but you got into a good conversation with the guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and you just. And you, Started asking about his life and you know, yeah, and, and you know, I mean, and what comes out is is that you know the the details of his life. I mean, he was beaten as a child. He was, I mean, and, and not to to stereotype, categorize, but but in reality, that was his that was his life, right? And and he he had the type of life growing up, and it all came out. It just took a couple of little questions and it just poor, I couldn't get a word in edgewise <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to share the gospel even because it was just rolling right um, and but but things that would break anybody's heart regardless of your you know your orientation or anything right so I mean there's a lot of humanity that's shared um, th- the point being is is that I would I would prayer really is kind of a it it brings down the tension quite a bit um, because people are willing to listen to you pray. They might not even, but they're but they're they're interested to hear what is this person praying for? Is this person praying for me? Is this person praying that I'm going to be 
fixed somehow? What is this person going to pray? I'm interested, right? And as you pray that, you know, this person would understand how much he or she is loved by the Lord, right? That starts to soften a little bit where it where it's like, wow, that's not what I was really anticipating. It opens doors, right? So... So as we're not going with the objective, right? I'm saying that when the opportunity arises, we share. That's it. As one would share life with anybody else. This is important to me. Some things are important to you. Let's tell me what's important to you. I think too, not presenting the gospel in a way that makes someone feel like they have to choose it or you're going to. Right, right. I mean, if you're just showing people love, then you can share the gospel regardless of what the situation is. So whether, I mean, you're at a public school or you're at a public, there's, you don't even have to be in a ministry-oriented place to share the gospel. Right. and, And you don't have to require any type of response from them. It's just showing love and being in a relationship with that person. I think that's yeah. what we're called to do, regardless of where we're at, regardless yeah. whether it's ministry or it's that's life. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Well, you kind of, I'm getting back to objectors. <laughs> Sorry, corporate America. So, um, will you be talking about that? Because I think that could alleviate some of the concerns. Um, you know, like if we're going to the Pacific Mission. Mm-hmm. Are we just sitting and talking, or are we? What are you specifically going to be doing? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I could share that with them and then everything else evolved. Because like you said, sometimes one question just opens a whole sure. conversation to yeah. share. Um, but I think that might alleviate some of the concerns that you're hearing. Yeah. Um, what we'll do over the period of this next week is try to articulate what the service aspects look like at these ministries. Um I know that we've talked about them on our end, and we're trying to work out. There's so many logistics in an outreach like this you would not even believe. Um, just to get, like, 16 people, you know, from one place to another is, is a lot of it. So we will try to articulate exactly what we anticipate doing at these various locations so that you'll have a better understanding. Okay. Um, I know it, it. We'd like to have it all just kind of firmly. There is a part of this where it, we have to be a little bit fluid. Um, if plans change at the last minute, and they they could, you know, things. So, but in either case, yeah, we'll we'll try to do that. We'll try to do that. Okay. So poverty in the scriptures. Let's talk for a few moments about the, dyna- the, the dynamics involved with poverty. What do we think are some of the dynamics that are involved with poverty? Family. Family. Good. 
Good, yeah, it's a big one. Economics. Mm -hmm. Education. Education. Yeah. Jobs. Yeah, right, good. A lot of them, right? There are a lot of dynamics to poverty. And because there are so many, and that's just, that's just you know, on the front end, I mean, that's off the top of our head. If we really dug into this for the next half hour, we would have a list, right, a real list. And because there are so many dynamics involved with poverty, it makes um, understanding what's going on very difficult, right? This person is in this situation, why? Hmm, well, gee, is it family? Is it economics? Is it a job? Is it a, you know, and you, it starts to get really, really complicated. We're going to see this in just a moment. So poverty has many, many um, components. Yeah, great, thank you. Dimensions, yeah. Which all, to a certain degree, come back to relational issues, right? Um, what types of terms are used in the scriptures to reflect social marginalization outside of the poor? I, just, just to get us thinking more broadly here. There you go. Good. Orphans, widows. The, the lepers, right? Yeah, leprosy would be. That's a good one. The foreigners, right? People who are aliens, right? Prisoner. Okay. There are 400 mentions of the poor in the scriptures. Let's look at this for a moment. This was an aha moment for me when I read this seminary. Let's pass this around really quick. All you see in this handout is that there are 245 references in the Old Testament to the poor, poverty, or lack. And there are five, there are five, not one, there are five main Hebrew root words. Okay? These root words are ebion, dal, rush, chaser, and ani. And then in the New Testament, we have the word for poor is takas. It's takas. Let's look at this kind of carefully here for a moment. Ebion means needy and dependent. This is the kind of person who finds him or himself or herself begging. Okay, and this type of this type of poverty is caused by natural calamity. Okay, something in the environment happens, and this person finds themselves poor because of this um, this event. Okay, natural calamity. Dal, it's the frail poor, the weak. This would include the widows, the children, the elderly. This type of poverty is related to personal frailty or vulnerability. Okay? People who are vulnerable, whether it be from a social perspective, whether it be um, from simply an age perspective, whether it be um, you know, a child who's, who's lost parents. These are people who are vulnerable, okay? 
and personally frail. Rush, the impoverished through dispossession. Okay. This type of poverty is a result of injustice and violence. Injustice and violence. Okay. So forcibly dispossessed of their material belongings. Chaser, to suffer lack of bread and water to hunger. Those who lack the basic necessities of life. This type of poverty is related to personal sin. Personal sin. Sinful behavior in this person's life has resulted in their, their lack. Okay? Still Bible, right? Still Bible. Ani ana, poverty caused by affliction and oppression. Those bowed down under pressure, finding him or herself in a dependent relationship. This is the humble poor of Yahweh, contrasted not with the rich, but those with those who are violent and oppressive. Okay? These are people against whom the system works, okay, through unjust laws. This type of poverty is related to oppression and exploitation. So, what have we just learned about poverty in the last five minutes? Yeah, lots. Biblical, right? Biblical. These are Hebrew words. They appear in the scriptures here, right? So, when we think of poverty, right, from a biblical standpoint, we could attribute poverty to one of a variety of causes, right? In short, it doesn't always come down to the fact that this cat is lazy. <laughs> Get a job. Doesn't look like that. Not always. So when we come into communities where there is crushing poverty, we need to start asking questions. Why? And how do we help? What does help even look like? Right? And that's on a personal level but also on a community type of level. How does this work? How do we make sense of this? What, even further, what happens if there are unjust laws on the books? Is that possible? Yeah, that's possible. Why is it that 80% of the people who are locked up in Cook County are black? Why is that? Are there, are there laws on the books that are inherently skewed? I don't know. Maybe. Or they don't have money. To, to, to or they can't even represent themselves. Yeah, yeah I mean, a lot of it's their culture. Yeah. Where, where does mental illness fit into this picture? Ooh, yeah, good. Yeah, right. Yes. Like that. Where does that fit in? I would think it would be under doll. Mm -hmm. 
personally. Um, it's not a sin. It's not their sin, right? And it's not, um, they haven't been exploited or suffered injustice, although they may have as a result of their, of their mental illness. But I would think that it would be inherent to them. It would be, um, yeah, it would be the personal frailty and the vulnerability. They identified on the streets of Chicago, living in a cardboard box. They found his family, brought him home. He says, I don't want to be here. He went back to his box. Yeah. 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 So the assumption we have, oh, he'd be better with his family and we'll hook him up. He didn't want to be there. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and that's, you know, because it involves individuals, right? And, um, you know, every person that you, I mean, we, we've all heard these stories where, you know, do, do you give the person a dollar and then look at what he did with this dollar type of thing and abuse the, you know, I mean, there is that, yeah, but I guess then on the, on the balance, we, we have to ask the question, are we willing to give the benefit of the doubt, um, on the front end? Um, because there's this stuff going on, you know? I mean, we don't know what these people's lives have looked like prior to the couple of seconds that we've had a conversation with them, right? We don't know. We kind of size them up. We kind of put them into a box. We've got a label on them. You know, homeless. Homeless, right? I mean, just even the very term eliminates any kind of thought of, does this person have a name? Person have a name? Right? Um, hard stuff, right? I don't, I told you last week, I'm still in kindergarten with a lot of this stuff. You know, I've studied it. I've been in the midst of it. Every time I come out of it, I feel like I've grown a little, but still, it's hard. It's confusing, <laughs> How do you best deal? How do you help? Right? How do you help? So how would we help? Ebion, how would we help with natural, somebody who's dealt with natural calamity? What would we do? Good. That's, that's absolutely the answer. You immediately meet the need. Yeah, immediately meet the need, right? And then, whoops, this should, let's see what happens on this slide. Yeah, Um, immediately meet the need, right? And then establish some sort of economic support system, right? Where you can get, people can get back on on their feet, right? How about doll? How would we help people who are in this situation? Yeah. There's a lot out there, but a lot of people don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. So it's just basic life skills in some instances, right? Where there is the missing other element right whether it be a spouse whether it be parents whether sometimes it's a matter of just simply training and basic 
life skills, right, coming alongside. How about injustice and violence? You have to seek justice, don't you? You have to be an advocate. Who's going to advocate, right? Who's going to advocate on behalf of people with no voice? Okay. How about personal sin? What's called for there? God's forgiveness. It's called for God's forgiveness, right? Yeah. What would we? How would we help that person? How would we help that person? What would that look like? I think sometimes they feel worthless and that you're rejecting them. So just by acknowledging that they're, that we're equals, you know? Mm, yeah. You know, so yeah. that they can see, wow, if he or she talks to me, maybe I'm not so bad. Yeah, right. So sure. Yep. Those were Jesus' words were, you know, where are your accusers? Mm-hmm. Nowhere, Lord. Neither do I condemn you. Yeah. Go forth and sin. That's right. That's right. And but then after the go and sin, then what? See the go and sin no more. Then then what? Well, here's a place where you can actually bring the gospel into play. Yeah, for sure. But but it's not just go and sin no more. It's what then? Discipleship. There you go. Discipleship. One on one. One on one discipleship. Excellent. Yeah. Good. Good. You see how there are different answers to different issues, right? Right. Oppression and exploitation. It's a difficult. Yep. On a practical level, what we did last year was Salvation Army has a, a program on the north side of the city, and I don't know if they want us to do it this year, but um, they had posters that had a hotline number uh, where um, women could call if they wanted like a way out, you know, and um, so we went around to businesses on Devon Avenue and Clark Street asked them to post the posters. Yeah, yeah it's it, it, that, in that instance it was raising awareness, yeah. right? 
You know, the thing about this is, is that there's, I mean, in, in an issue like human trafficking, well, gee whiz, I mean, is there one solution or are there many? There, there are a lot of things that have to happen, right? You do need to have somebody advocating on behalf of, you know, and holding people's feet to the fire to enforce the, the laws that you already have on the books. So, you know, attorneys are needed, right? Then you need to make sure that people are aware of the issues so that you put social pressure on those who are exploited, right? So that's needed. Then when you get the people out, you need people to cons- you know, um, uh, counsel uh, people who have gone through this dramatic traumatic type of experience. So, so that's necessary, the discipleship aspect of it, right? I mean, the, this, this, all, the, all this stuff, <laughs> what I'm trying to show is complex, Ex- exceedingly complex. And quick, it just defies quick answers and simple answers. Yes, sir? Um, you know, it seems to me that one of the first of the five look at it in, in learning being the first one that you put in there I mean let's face it uh, if, if we don't get involved in something like this to go in and understand what these people go through it's really easy to listen to somebody's look at somebody and say go get a real job yeah. right yeah. and we don't in, 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 in our position and culture we really don't have an understanding of what these people are going through. Right. And I'm as guilty of that as anyone. I've said that in my life, you know, a bunch of freeloaders. Mm-hmm. And the only way that we can educate, and I, I think I look at this as being an ambassador of Christ Church going in and learning because we're going to have to deal with these issues. And I think you said that early on in your informational thing, and, and that really resonated with me that I have to look at things differently yeah. because Christ says look at this differently. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. What, what is a Christian? Well, who really knows? In all practicality, we think we know, but are we really doing what Christ says and not reacting to a set of perceived guidelines that we're supposed to be doing because we're yeah, yeah, good. I like that. Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I like that a lot. It's um, it, it's it's a matter of meeting people where where they are, you know, and get and and to a certain degree, earning the right to be heard. Um, you know, just in in a ten minute conversation, you probably not even earned the right to share the gospel message, right? Um, yeah, and and well, that's what I'm saying is is that it I mean it it doesn't have to be forced, okay? The Lord will open that door. He'll give the opportunities. Um, we we trust in that, but but there is especially in the gay community, you you they you have to earn the right to to ha- even have an opinion about me, <laughs> right? And I get that. I mean, don't you? I you know. I don't want people sizing me up and laying a label on me before they even write. I mean, yeah, good. Yeah, I was thinking what fits into this category would be like the Anne Frank story, you know, where people fleeing uh, oppression because of wartime. Yeah. Uh, and then you would house them. 
you say, well, that's, that's World War II stuff. But there was a call that came from Salam uh, Church, the, the mm. Muslim Fellowship, and the call came out by email. We have a young man who has converted from Islam to Christianity. He has, his close friends are after his life. Will you house him? Wow. <laughs> Will you house him? <clears throat> and it was silent. There was no response. And <clears throat> I talked to Connie about this, and then all of a sudden, you know, okay, okay, okay. You know, what, what does it mean? If you put this guy in our house, that means they might come after him in our, in our house. Yeah. And before we knew it, he was on his way to New York to flee for his life. Wow. And so this is modern day Yeah, stuff. That, that's real and stuff. <clears throat> this is real stuff. And then, then, you, then you do some soul searching and say, no, wait a minute. You know, where, where, where is my Christianity? So that, that's what I see in this whole thing. We're, this is going to be a super challenge. We can't go in with an agenda. We don't have an agenda. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm on my own agenda. Yeah, I mean, the exciting part of this is that the Lord is going to stretch us. He is. He's going to move us out beyond the way that we have traditionally thought and looked at some of this stuff, and and that will be really good. Um, you know, the only reason that I bring all of this up is to just show it's biblical. It's scriptural. It's in there, right? That it's not just cookie-cutter stuff, right? Um that to me is important because that's our guy that's our guidelines right that's where we take our instructions from is what the word of the lord has to say and he's accounted for all of this other stuff right beyond just the it's all on you type of thing you're responsible for your condition sometimes people just simply aren't <laughs> 